Welcome to Disrupt Equities Apartment Investing Podcast. This podcast will offer weekly episodes equipping passive and active investors alike with the tools, knowledge, and confidence to build wealth through one of the most powerful wealth creation vehicles out there, apartments. Let's get into today's episode. Welcome back, everybody. This is Money Mondays. Da-da, da-da. Welcome back to Money Mondays, everybody. The best real estate show on the planet. We at least the ones that are aired on Mondays, right? We at do this every Monday at 3.30. No, no, all channels, all times. So, <laughs> Ooh, it's very bold. No reality very show bold. here. We do it real. So, All right. Well, hey. What are we talking about today, man? Talking about the multifamily market. It has completely changed six months ago. And it's, we had our meetup last week, very successful meetup. And again, this comp, this topic kept coming up. Whenever I asked it, it kind of people started to really dwell on it. And what's going on in the market? What's typical? What's not typical? What has changed? So we're going to spend some time and talk through all of that here today. And I think we, we're very, very active buyers and bidders. And so I think we have a very good pulse as a company. That's true. That's very, very so. true. We're still active in the market. We're still looking to potentially buy at least one more deal. Or partner, or, or, or you know, try to take down at least one more before the end of the year, right? There's still deals getting done, folks. We're, we just closed one last week. You park when 241 units in Fort Worth. We're really, really excited about. We have one more that we're closing. Probably, hopefully, God willing, next week we'll yeah. see. Uh, it might be pushed a little bit, but um, so we're still in the market and we're still actively looking at deals too. So we do have a good pulse on it, but people tend to dwell. So I'm going to preface today. Look. There is a little bit of doom and gloom in the news, folks, but don't listen to everything that's on the news. That's why I cut the cord a long time ago with that stuff, right? They, doom and gloom sells. I thought the cord was cut whenever you were born. Cut the uh, cable cord, bro. All right, all right. Come on. Not get the with it. cord. Got it. All right. So we're going to get right into it. Some of these questions came in before the show. How are we handling rising interest rates? Oh, it's like, it's like the, we've been hearing this for six months, but we can talk about it, right? We're not handling them. They're handling us. <laughs> That's actually a pretty good, pretty good way of looking at it, right? I think at the end of the day, you can't fight the Fed. So you have to go with where the Fed is going, right? So everybody, I think, in a lot of ways knew that interest rates were going to start rising. I think what really caught people off guard earlier in the summer was how quickly the Fed got on top of it and, and, and really started. And most people would say they didn't get on top of it quickly, and that's why they had to make up. But point of the matter is, is that their minutes are publicly, you know, uh, that's public information. You kind of have an idea of what they're going to do for probably the next two meetings. So you just plan accordingly, right? So when we were looking at deals back in Q1, we were underwriting deals from 3.5 to 4%, right? Now we're underwriting deals from six and a quarter up to 6.75, right? Maybe in some, some cases even seven, depending on the type of asset, right? That's where you're at. Now, people are going to say, well, where are interest rates going to go? If I knew that, I'd have a, what a one, of those, one of those, like, you know, shiny ball that you can kind of look into. What are these things called? You know. Crystal ball. Crystal ball. Yes. Yeah, see? This is why I have you around, Ben's dude. Ben's ball is pretty me, foggy, to be honest with you. Help me figure out these things on the end of the sentences. But... Uh, I just look deep into your shiny head. Thanks, buddy. Uh, 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 so, but I mean, that said, right, what are we doing on the structuring to help mitigate risk? That's well, okay, probably so, the real question so I think a lot of people want to talk The point that about. I was trying to make with that rant is that you have to just underwrite to where current current interest rates are going to go, and you have to look at the forward curve and just determine, hey, could they rise up higher? I think right now there's probably a little bit more pain. It's probably going to stabilize once the Fed realizes that they, you know, they, they slowed down the economy. And then it's probably going to start trickling down. So when it starts trickling down, what are they trying to do? They're trying to stimulate 
the economy, by putting more money into the economy, by allowing people to lend and loan and get debt at a cheaper price, right? That fuels economic growth, right? When you increase an interest rate, that's taking money out of the market, and that is essentially slowing down or putting a you know wet blanket on the market is what they're trying to do, right? And the reason they did this is because inflation was going through the roof, right? And when you have inflation that's going through the roof, you, the the only mechanism that the Fed has is to increase you know uh, the interest rates. They have a few more few more tools, but that's the big one. That's what everybody's talking about, right? So how do we handle that right now? We're obviously underwriting to where it's at, yep. and we're putting a tight interest rate cap on our deals, right? And you're gonna say, what the heck is a rate cap? I think we've mentioned it a little bit in the past, right? It's essentially a hedge, right? So your interest rate's gonna be like right here, and you're gonna have a tight cap that's almost right there in the money, right? You know, call it one, two, three percent strike. Look up Chatham Financial. They've got a whole you know, interest rate cap calculator on their website. They're typically who we use. And if the interest rates go above that cap, they pay off the delta. Right, you know. Now people are going to say, "Well, that's probably pretty expensive." Yeah, I got a lot they, more expensive. They are this expensive, year. and I'll say Ben said tight cap, and I'll actually say it a little differently. It doesn't have to be tight, which really leads to the third thing that we're doing, which is a lot of reserves. And so again, underwrite your deal effectively, right? If you underwrite yeah. at a nine percent interest rate, and you're going to buy a cap that it can't go above nine, by all means, if you have the cash to do it, that's okay too. Yeah. Right. And so it's really that balancing act because on some of our deals, it's tighter than others, right? Well, and, and, and some we of it stagger is, it on the. On I was the also going to say some of that is dictated by the lender as well, right? They're going to dictate what the strike needs to be. And sometimes they're going to want your strike to be less than where the interest rate market is right now. So what does that mean? That means that you're in the money day one, right? So, you know, for example, right now, you know, the deal that we're buying, they're wanting a 2.5% cap, right? So we're going to be in the money essentially day one, you know, but your people are going to say, well, doesn't that, that's probably pretty expensive, right? Because they're almost going to immediately have to start paying you back. And yes, it does. It becomes very, very expensive, right? The other way, the other way that we've done this too, we've also had regional banks that don't require a cap. And in that case, and in both cases, really, you just have the reserves that pays off the delta between where you're wanting your interest rate to be and where the interest rates truly are, right? But the cap is there to uh, cap the interest rate from spiking to 10, and then you're stuck paying a note that you can't afford, the in, the lenders don't want that, right? So they make you have those, you have to buy those ahead of time, you have to put them in place, um, usually through you know various banks, Goldman Sachs does it, SMBC, some of these other guys that use these as kind of hedging tools, right? And uh, they cost a lot of money these days. Same cap that's a million dollars today was probably a hundred or $200,000 at the beginning of the year. So you can see it's gone up quite a bit. Right. So next question, what are the trends you're seeing in the market? You know, I would say the biggest thing that I've noticed, at least on the acquisition side, pricing, I would say pricing has adjusted probably pricing, 10%. 10% is probably you know, the fair number. Retrades as well, very retrades, common. Retrades, extensions. 5% on those, 5 to 10. Yep. Extend, you know, it's become now a buyer's market, right? As yes, a buyer, you get to dictate. No more a million dollars hard day yes. one. Ask us how we know, right? Yeah. Now our next deals are not going to be anywhere that aggressive. I actually think, and Ben's going to turn red whenever I say this, our next offer, we don't have to have any hard money. I bet you. We'll see. Or minimal. Like, you know, it went, it, went from six, so, it went from six figure hard money to call it 25 to 50K. Yeah. Right? You're going to have a longer closing period. 
you might even start seeing financing financing contingencies. And I remember when I got into the business in 2014, that was already a faux pas back then. So it's going to be interesting to see if that shifts, yep. right? And when I, when I mean financing contingency means putting into your offer that if interest rates spike to this or your loan amount goes below this, you can opt out of the contract. Yep. That's huge, you know. But the other thing I was going to say is, there's a lot less deals on the market right now. I think everybody's waiting and ish. You're starting to see a little bit of a trickle. It's pick, it's, it is picking yeah. up, right? Especially compared to the summer, but it's still down the same time last year. And I'd say there's a lot less buyers in the market, right? So the brokers are actually calling people back. They're trying to wheel and deal and make things happen, right? They get it, right? Especially the seasoned veteran guys and gals that have been in the business for a while. They just know that this is just part of the cycle, right? They they made fortunes the last two years, and now they're having to kind of scrape by a little bit. It's funny to see the brokers kind of back off and... You know, essentially start to scrape the bottom of the barrel yeah. right, to find deals that they, they, or, or, they and they find have. buyers that yeah. are willing to to actively buy in this market right now. I think yeah. I think there's a lot of people that are just sitting it out for a little while. Hey, I'm going to wait the next six months and see what happens in the market overall, and then I'll hop back in in 2023. Or it could be a little bit longer. Like I'm going to wait until the back half of 2023. We don't know. Time will tell. Again, yeah. I don't have that crystal ball. Yeah, and you know, and I think again, remember, it's a buyer's market, folks. Do not have to get hyper aggressive. Most of these, you know, to give you an example, I had a broker that said literally on on a, on a specific deal, they would have gotten 30 offers, they got three. So yeah. it's kind of the ratio, or, you know, 40 tours and they're getting 10. Yeah. So realize that. I think, again, buyers are picking back up, so it'll, it'll improve a little bit, but you get to control the conversation and frame it a little yeah. bit more than you might have been able to previously. Previously, like, brokers weren't even looking at offers that didn't have hard money. Now yeah. it's about, you know, a, a tit for tat. Or they wouldn't, or wouldn't look yeah. at offers that didn't have, you know, you were at ask was bare minimum yeah. and, and you really needed to be 5 or 10% above. And actually, and right? I'll add this. So for those of you that are buyers out there, submit an offer. Whatever you're at. That's I mean, you good, never know where it's going to so stick. That's a good point. So what he means by that is, okay, you know, and we used to have this trigger, right? You know, in our underwriting process, if it was below 90% of the ask, we would just nix it. We wouldn't even go after it. Now we've lowered that to 80%. And I'm thinking about maybe potentially lowering it even lower than that, right? So what does that mean? That means that, hey, whatever the broker's just throwing out there, it's kind of BS. You don't know if it's actually going to stick. They don't even know if it's going to stick. There's a lot of price discovery that's happening right now. And so, you know, if you're close, you feel comfortable about the deal in the area and your business plan, put in that offer. You might get lucky, right? You know, so... Again, stay in the market. There's good deals in every part of the market cycle. That's one thing. You know, so what's going to happen in the future? I don't think anybody really knows. I think, again, interest rates are going to continue to tick up a little bit. They're going to stabilize, and then they're going to start coming down. When all that happens, TBD, I think the stabilization will probably start happening sometime next year. They might start ticking down 24, maybe even 25. So you're, you're in for a little bit of a high interest rate environment for the next kind of call it 12 to 24 months. And people just need to plan accordingly. Have good reserves. Make sure you have you know your interest rate caps in place. Yep. Right? You know, so how are we addressing investors' concerns and hesitations given the choppy market? I mean, I think at the end of the day, the fundamentals of apartment investing haven't changed, yeah, right? And I say just you know, be front and center. Hey, here's what we like about the deal. Here's what we're doing to reduce risk. So. Yeah, we, we we literally on our last deck we put it right up front and center. You know, I think it was like the second or third page. Like these are all the risks. These are how we're mitigating them, and we got it right out in front and center. Because again, if you're watching CNN or you're watching Fox or you're watching any of these news stations, it, all it is 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 just doom and gloom because that's what sells, right? But it's not all that bad, especially in the Sun Belt. You still have job growth. You still have population growth. You still have a supply and demand imbalance. And what do I mean by that? That means that there's too many people moving there and there's not enough housing. 
Yep. Right? And so, I mean, even that, we saw, what do we see on the, the jobs report Friday? They're still jobs pretty good. picking up. <laughs> right, better than expected, and so therefore the economy tanked. You know, the market tanked. So not the economy, the market yes. tanked. Let's be and more so, specific. So, so again, the fundamentals think, are there, right? I think Job you growth. just brought up, you brought up something really, really good that I want to t- touch on, though. Don't equate the Dow Jones with the economy. They are two separate things. Yeah, it's got to be the NASDAQ, folks, not yeah, the, the Dow Jones. Yeah, the NASDAQ. No, I'm kidding, kidding. Kidding. What no. you can go with. <laughs> but stock market. You don't equate the stock market to the actual economy. And I also want to make another point here. Real estate is very, very sub-market driven, right? So what might be happening in one part of one state isn't indicative of all that state and or even all that region. And even, even within, within cities, cities yeah. there's paths of progress and there might be, hey, you're on the north side. No, it's funny. Yesterday, there's a I, bunch dro- of growth so there. yesterday I, I drove up to the Woodlands, had dinner there. And it's just funny, you know, just kind of, I was thinking to myself as I did the drive, I'm like, all right, so now we're in the not so good part of Houston and now we're in the really nice part of Houston. Now we're in the even better part of Houston. And, you know, we passed by our property that we're buying, but it was just funny to, you know, think about that and just mentally about how you just kind of know the park because the city where it is hot and there's jobs moving there and there's people moving there and people are excited to live there and the other areas that people are like, I wonder how's this area going to come along. So, yeah, so that's a good, that's a, that's a good point that we need to drive home, right? It is sub-market specific. So, you know, when they talk about the real estate and housing, most of the time they're, they're taking macro data, they're, they're, they're taking a lot of the single family stuff and they're lumping it all into housing, right? Multifamily is still strong, folks, and especially in these markets where there's not enough housing and there's an affordability problem, that creates an incredible opportunity for people that are smart and yep. know how to capitalize on that, right? So we get in front of that, we we talk about the positive aspects of a multifamily investing and that's how you kind of really, you, you, you're you able to get away from people's concerns and, and really kind of get them excited again, right? Absolutely. Um, so my outlook for the sector, right, in 2023, what are you? Uh, 2023, I mean, I think we're gonna get a return back to, what's the word I wanna use? back to some normalcy. And what I mean by that, yeah. pricing is not gonna go back to where it was, no. but I think it's this uncertainty, is the Fed gonna raise rates or not, that keeps on kind of screwing with things right now. I think that's gonna be a lot clearer, right? You know, the one thing I do wanna say, the Fed is pretty clear about what they're doing. There's yes. not a lot of like hiding it or beating around the bush. So they are that's, honest. It's and all public candid. notes. Yeah. I mean like, and, and, but, but, No, but I mean, the previous Feds were a little bit more coy. Close, yeah, maybe they're a little bit more close right to the chest, now, right? Right now, the pretty blunt. Here's what I'm doing and they're doing it. So. Yeah. Fast forward six months, eight months, I think a lot of that will be cleared up. I think inflation will taper. Like, I mean, it just, yeah. maybe I'm wrong. I'm not an economist, but, no. you know, again, right now, what we have is a, is a supply constraint issue. So, again, as things normalize, right, demand is dropping. There's going to be a balancing act somewhere, yeah. right? And so I think that will happen. And so I think, you know, I'm not saying rates are going to go down significantly or go down at all, but at least there will be some normalcy. Because as an investor, we'll, we can always buy deals. It's just about understanding mm-hmm. what the future looks like, and that's what gets people nervous, right? Things going to get worse or better, right? And so if there's some stability, we can make some decisions on what we need to do, how to do it, and how to protect everybody. Absolutely. Versus, like, right now, we're, we're, we have... Too much in reserves because we don't know what the future looks like, right? Which is great, but at the same time, well, we could make a better investment if we could reduce those reserves. So it's Absolutely. finding that balancing act between the two. Yeah, I think I think Ferris hit it on the head. I think that there will be a return to this normalcy that I think we had seen, you know, probably 14, 15, 16, where, you know, you didn't have a whole lot of this cap rate compression. A lot of that happened just because there's a lot of cheap money. 
right? When you have less cheap money, it's obviously going to affect pricing a little bit, but a lot of that has already started happening, right? So the the, the guy that's on Facebook saying that the, the world's coming to an end and he's sitting on all cash because he's going to just pick up great deals. He's well, probably it. the same guy that's been saying that for four years. Or been saying that for a broken since clock 2008. is finally right. You know, I mean, yes, you're, you're a broken clock's, you know, right twice a day, right? You know, at the end of the day, that person is hoping that the bear market continues and that he's going to be the right guy. My point is that there's good deals in every part of the market cycle. You just have to adjust your underwriting. Right, you know the the days when you could underwrite deals at three and a half just aren't there anymore. Right, you need to be at six and a half. Yes. Right, but there's still rent growth. You know, there's still a lot of good positive things that are happening. And I think right now you're already seeing a decrease in pricing from that. You know that that peak to where it is right now, which is about ten percent. It might drop a little bit more depending on how much more aggressive the Fed becomes. But I think that, again, they've already outlined their plan, yep. right? you got a couple more interest rate hikes this year. That's going to happen. It's already baked in, right? The market's already baked it in, right? And then from there, they're going to wait and see, right? They're going to see, okay, was this aggressive rate hike, did it, did it equate to us slowing down the economy and slowing down inflation? If the answer to that question is yes, they are going to taper off or at least keep rates at a certain level. Once they start seeing the economy going down, Interest rates will go down accordingly because they're trying to stimulate the economy, right? So I, I'm bullish on multifamily for the next 20 years because I think we have a big supply and demand imbalance, and that's not going to go away anytime soon. So 2023, we're still going to be buyers, right? In fact, we'll probably be net buyers. We're not selling. Yeah. I don't think we're selling anything. I don't think we're selling anything in 2023. Uh, you know, you so never we'll, know. We'll be net buyers, right? Yeah, unless somebody just throws a stupid offer at us. Um, we've had happen. We've had that happen, too. Um, I remember the know. deal. We're like, we're never going to sell this deal. <laughs> you know, All right, let's sell this deal. So you never know. So, you know, and I'd say for 2023, I, I still think that in these Sunbelt markets, you've got a ton of population job growth. That's going to continue, right? You know, now is it going to be as much as it's been the last 18 months? Maybe not. But again, there's a reason why people are moving to Texas. They're moving to Florida. They're moving to Georgia, right? Because that's where all the jobs are. Yep. So, um, and where is inflation going to be? I think it's probably going to taper off. I you think, know? Yeah. Now, it's not going to be down to this 2%. As a real estate investor, we'd love it to stay where it's at because in know, the long term, it actually works better for you. But there's a lot of other negative TV that comes with yeah, that high inflation. Yeah, it's a balancing act, right? So, I, I, I mean, think it's going to be a while before it gets back down to 2%. Right, and so you know, I think right now it's at that eight percent. Then it'll probably come down to seven. I read an article it's saying hover about four or five. Yeah, their bet was like hover at four for a couple of years, which no. I'm like, ah, eh, I can buy. I that's can buy probably that. good enough. That's 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 good enough for rent growth, you know. But it's not. You but know, then I so I extrapolate that. So if it stays at four, rates have essentially flown to you know uh, seven. Nine. Yeah, I mean seven, eight. Yeah. So the question is, if 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 inflation, so today inflation is like nine or ten. Yeah. So rates are seven. So if rates, inflation goes back to four, where does that put rates, right? You know, some of the stuff where it's that so 270 it, over LIBOR, does it put it back it, it, at does five? It, it, so it comes back does it put to, the prime, you know, at two points? Who knows, so. right? I think time will tell, right? But I, I think that, again, they've been pretty clear. If they can break the back of inflation, interest rates will start coming down yeah. accordingly, right? That's just how the Fed operates. Don't go against the Fed, folks, right? So, boom, we got through it. We made all of our... Yeah, so Money Mondays, every Monday, 3.30 Central. If people have comments, questions, thoughts, leave them. I can go ahead and answer them. Let's see, we did get two, so let's go through these. First one, suggestion from Christian. Put your laptop away, have direct contact with us. Hey, and I'm sitting here reading questions and monitoring those, so that's yeah. kind of what I'm doing with the laptop. So it's being able to see the questions people have. So let's see, next one from Mark saying, should you write the offer close to the local comp? I would say... 
right now your offer should probably be below the the, the oh the local comp, not the ask. Sorry. Uh, I think that that's going to be hard in, yeah. in, in commercial, right? Is it because how recent of a comp, right? I mean, is it a really comp? A commercial gets tough yeah, for a lot of I reasons. I would really, I would really kind of just, you have to keep a beat on comps and where things are selling at, but it, it's been such a fluid market, right? I always, t- I always underwrite or tell people to underwrite to, to where they feel comfortable getting investors' money in, right? So if that's a 10% return, then you can almost back into what your offer is going to be on any one deal, Right. What we're saying is, is if, if, if the broker's telling you 10 million, you know, even if it's eight for us, because we're at 80% of the 10, I'm probably going to lob in an offer. Ask us how we know. You know, <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so my point is, is screw what the broker's saying right now, because he doesn't even know. Right. Again, they're just throwing out numbers just to see where people will bite at. Right. And so if you've got a strong offer with a strong team and you feel good at that 8 million on a $10 million ask, I'd put your offer in. You know. All right. Any other questions? Any other questions, thoughts, please go ahead and leave them. We'll answer them live here And on if Monday, you have Monday. any predictions on the future, we'd love it. Throw them in the comments, right? You know, what do you think is going to happen yeah. for multifamily in 2023? Where do you think interest rates are going to go? Otherwise, you know. let's keep going. All right. So we are talking Texas Multifamily Masters. Our webinar series that we do every month is coming up this Wednesday, October 12th. Mr. Anton Matley with Peak Financing is gonna be talking about multifamily real estate financing strategies in today's debt market. So this guy is the savant. He knows where you know where the lenders are right now. He's lived through market cycles. He gets it, right? So he is happy to answer all of your questions, right? So check that out. It's this Wednesday. It's a virtual event, 7.30 p.m. Central Time, right? DisruptEquity.com slash virtual meetup. We have those every, is it second Wednesday, Shanna? Yeah, the second Wednesday. The second Wednesday of every month, we put one of these on. We have speakers, we have panels, we just talk. And, and, and there's also some networking components too. We do some breakouts as well. So typically get, typically get 100 people or so on it. And so it's a good, a good event to kind of check in, even if you're at the house, right? It's a virtual event, folks. No excuses. Yep. But this is not a virtual event, and this is our MFIN conference that we're doing November 12th in Atlanta, Georgia. Oh my gosh, buy one, get one, $150 off? Absolutely. Jeez. Pricing will go up every hour on the hour, so the sooner you buy, the better. Wow, on the hour. That's, on the hour. Pretty, pretty aggressive. But we're excited. It's going to be packed house. You know, it's great panels, great speakers. Month, so. you know, again, this is more of an in-person networking opportunity. And so we really love these events. We curate it, right? So you have enough time to kind of really develop those relationships. We've always yeah. talked about it on the show. It's people and relationships and it's numbers, yep. right? In this business. And so you got to get out there. You got to find your next partner, your next investor, your next deal, right? So check that out, mfinvestornetwork.com. Put in that coupon code disrupt and get that buy one, get $150 off on the executive tickets. Apparently we're all sold out on VIPs. Yes. So sir. no more VIPs, but it is in Atlanta. Trying to warn people, they didn't believe it, so. So Atlanta, Georgia, November 12th, coming up in about a month. So we're really, really excited if about that. If you have that. any comments, questions, thoughts, leave them. They're to get a couple, so I'll go through those. First one's right. from Christian again saying, houses goes down first, then multifamily, explain. Um, I don't think that it's necessarily houses first and multifamily. I, yeah. I just feel like, you know, the the interest rate environment for single family is it's so powerful for especially for first time home buyers, right? Because their payments go up 
with, 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 with interest rates. And so that actually pushes them to apartments. Well, and also, it also decreases their ability to put the down payment down too, right? You know, unless you have the 0%, you know, a down payment type situation, you know, you're going to have to come more money to the table to buy the same house that you're going to have to pay more for each month, right? So I don't know if it's necessarily one before the other. Um, I just think that there's a lot more things that we can control on multifamily versus single family homes, right? Because those are comp yeah, driven. So, so I think driven. Our answer is one's not a leading indicator of the yeah. other. They're a little bit independent. If in fact they might actually be inversely related. But again, it depends on a lot of other factors too. I would also say the other thing too that I've I've always been a proponent of is if people can't afford to buy a house or maybe they can't afford their house anymore, where are they gonna go? That's enough. They're either moving in with their parents, their friends, or they're moving into an apartment, right? Because yep. nobody's gonna live under a bridge. So the apartments is always that backup that sometimes in, you know, whenever the economy slows, you get actually a boost, you know, in uh, occupancy and, and maybe even rent growth too. Absolutely. Let's see. Mark Clark says, nice thing to go to on Wednesday. Yeah, definitely yeah, a good check time. check it out. Get out there, get educated. We're big no, no, I mean, Anton, that. again, Savant, he knows all about the debt market right now, and he is doing deals, so he knows what the lenders are talking about and what they're doing. So I think anybody that's got questions, come to that event. Awesome. Otherwise, let's call it a wrap. All Keep right, going. so what's coming up next week? Money Mondays. Well, 3.30 Central. Come on, talking what are we talking about? about? Basically, the time to in- is now the time to invest in multifamily real estate. I'd say we can answer Always that right now, but time. yes, but, you know, but we're going to dive into it a little bit more. So. You know, but no, excited to talk about that. Tune in every Monday, 3.30 Central Standard, Money Mondays. Look Thank forward you. to seeing you then. We hope you enjoyed today's episode on Disrupt Equities Apartment Investing Podcast. We have some really great episodes coming up, so make sure to subscribe to the podcast. For those interested in passively investing in cash-flowing multifamily properties, visit disruptequity.com invest. Fill out your information there, and you will get notified when we release our next multifamily passive investment offering.